This is Financial Standard, the definitive source of news, thought leadership and analysis for Australian wealth management professionals. Financial Standard. Take the lead. I'm Andrew McKean on the Financial Standard podcast. Today, we're speaking with Mercer's Global Strategic Research Director, Nick White. Nick, how are you going? I'm very good, thank you. Great. Today, we're speaking about one of Mercer's uh, newer reports, um, and I wanted to begin by asking you what the newest investment themes and opportunities the report has recently identified. Can you walk us through some of the most grabbing themes? Absolutely. So maybe a bit of context to get us started. So themes and opportunities, as we call it. It comes out every single year. Um, it basically talks about structural trends and emerging risks with a time frame of five years and beyond. So it's deliberately long-term, just get investors focused on that long-term. We classify the themes um, as regime change, uh, super cycles, or megatrends. So regime change, one-off shifts and shocks that basically shift markets and economies from an old normal to a new normal. And in that context, the, uh, the two that we're talking about really are just the outlook for higher interest rates and indeed uh, opportunities for alpha. So opportunities for alpha, we're seeing very clearly higher dispersion within markets. It kicked up with COVID. Obviously, that was a massive shock to the system. But interestingly, despite it dipping very slightly, it's actually come back up again. We think there's real opportunities uh, for alpha in a number of areas. Um, one area in particular, which really struggled through the previous decade, is hedge funds. We're seeing lots of, uh, lots of opportunities across various hedge fund strategies. There's opportunities in credit as well, lots of, uh, lots of dislocation in the credit markets. And obviously, there are companies out there who are struggling to deal with the, the, the debt levels that they have running through there. That creates lots of opportunities for um, credit specialists to be able to capitalize on that, and in particular in private debt. Very simply, though, the higher rates creates opportunities for those with longer-term time horizons to reset their SAAs, to create more efficient portfolios rather than this sort of classic risk creep that's been happening for, say, the last 10 years. So that's really regime change. Regime change doesn't tend to happen on its own just as a, as a shock. You know, there's nothing to stop, really, an old normal reverting to an old normal after the shock has, uh, has impacted. Clearly, we've had massive shocks with COVID and conflict and stimulus and so on. But really, they tend to become a fully-fledged regime change when there's other things going on in the background, which is where we get into super cycles and megatrends, which are the other two classifications we talk about. So super cycles are supply-demand imbalancing imbalances, which are far longer lasting than a market cycle. And there's two areas we're really focused on there, one which is inflation and another which is debt. So in the context of inflation, uh, we continue to see that while cyclical inflation pressures are clearly coming down as a result of interest rates really being ramped up by central banks around the world, we continue to see significant structural inflation risks going forward. There's a really interesting dynamic playing out in that space between the cyclical and the structural, as I say, but within the structural, um, almost uh, a resources versus services uh, inflation. So if we think of the, the different forces that we've got going on, we've got increased geopolitical tension, we've got uh, an ever-increasing population, we have uh, supply chains um, impacting, we have demand for critical minerals and evolving energy transition. All of these individually are tend to be inflationary. And the one thing that's really counter to that going forward is AI, which of course is the, you know, the new hot story, if you like, is understanding the dynamic between those two forces is a really big focus of us at the moment. And that's what we mean about the services versus resources side. There's lots of reasons why resources 
is very positive for inflation, um, but the services side could be going the other way. Indeed, it could actually be a complete reversion of what we've seen over the last 30 years, where it was all about goods deflation or disinflation, but services were actually continuing to increase quite substantially during that time. The other one, of course, is the debt cycle. That, of course, is front and center at the moment because of where rates are. It's really putting the pressure on those levered corporates, households, and governments, wherever they are. So that, as I say, is creating opportunities in credit, but it's obviously creating a lot of stress for those zombie companies. There's another subtle aspect to it, though, which is where it relates to inflation, which is when you've got uh, levered governments, there must be a temptation, even though you wouldn't see it in policy documents, to allow inflation just to run just a little bit hotter than it would normally, um, just to sort of erode that real value of the debt over time. We haven't even got into the real megatrends, even though it's actually, you can see, we're referring to them as we go in the context of regime change and super cycles. There are obviously lots of megatrends in play, and by that we mean multi-decade transformations. The two we're focusing on this year are really energy transformation, uh, and in reality, we'll probably be focused on that for the next 20 years, I would imagine. Big focus this year is really two aspects of it. One, which is the critical minerals side, which is really needed to fuel that great electrification that we need. And the next wave of transition, which is about uh, the hard to abate sectors, the heavy industry, the heavy transport, those areas that are not easily sold with just EV and renewable power. And then there's our very last theme, so there's six themes in total. Uh, that very last theme is related to nature loss and biodiversity um, and the massive acceleration in recognition of the issues that we have. We've had 69% um, of species population loss since 1970, really quite remarkable statistic. But governments are waking up to this fast. Uh, there's regulation in Europe coming out about deforestation, pledges made by governments at, uh, at COPs on deforestation. Um, and indeed, here in Australia, where we're very high on the biodiversity ranking, but also um, very high on the uh, deforestation ranking, unfortunately. It just gives you some sense of just uh, how important it is for Australia to deal with these issues. And there are lots of opportunities in, in these areas. And can you explain how the global research team synergizes with investment teams to develop these themes? Absolutely. So it, it's a, a fairly extensive process over a period of sort of two to three months each year. Uh, and it's a mixture of internal meetings and external meetings. Um, and on the external meetings, there are, there's a small selection of, of managers who we believe really add value in this space. They genuinely have a long-term, uh, long-term nature, long-term focus to them. And we always have some really interesting meetings with them each year. Um, we don't always agree. And of course, that's exactly what uh, the process should be um, pulling to the floor. But it's always good to sort of test the, the level of confidence you can have in your themes w through those meetings. So that's great. We also, we meet with um, economists, um, long-term um, oriented asset managers and research groups and so on. Like we're really pulling information from lots of different areas. But there's also an extensive internal process as well. So we have um, specialist teams. We've got over 200 researchers across what we refer to as the verticals, the asset class specialist teams. So they'd be equities, bonds, hedge funds, and all the private market sleeves. And they tend to give us the really great opportunities that they're seeing in the space. They may be more medium-term focused because naturally they probably are a bit more medium-term focused than our team. 
And as we shift from regime change, where we they provide us loads of great ideas, like private debt was one of those that really came very firmly through the private um, debt team and all the opportunities that were developing in that space. And as we gradually move through, um, talking hedge funds because of the alpha orientation and then equities, and then we gradually move towards the longer term where you know, most of the ideas are inherently linked to sustainability type themes. So we talked about energy transition and nature loss. They're just two of, uh, of a large number of themes that, um, that are firmly in the sustainable investment teams world. And we work with them very closely. One thing that I thought was quite interesting as well to know was, was there any findings that, you know, challenged conventional wisdom or prevailing market narratives that you came across? Yeah, it's, it's always very interesting because if it's challenging conventional wisdom, the chances are it's creating some really interesting hot internal debate. Like that's the, the, the classic trigger. And I think we can probably go back a few. We obviously look at things as a five-year time frame. Um, if we go back a few years, we were talking about inflation risk long before it kicked up. Obviously, we didn't predict things like COVID and conflict. You'd be really worried if we did. But, you know, we saw those as, as triggers for underlying pressures that were there. So that was an interesting debate. Um, critical minerals, we latched onto fairly early. I think that's more well-trodden space these days, but we latched onto it very early. And that was interesting because it was somewhere between a sustainable investment and a not sustainable investment. So, you know, um, that internal debate was quite interesting. I think probably right now, the really hot areas are in the outlook for inflation, because we've obviously been very positive about, in, about inflation, but the new big wedge in that potentially is AI. And understanding that dynamic, you can almost have those two conversations when we talk about resources on one side and services on another. You know, you can, uh, getting the balance between those two, if you're super pro on AI or you're seeing minerals prices fall in the short term and you're saying, well, where is the critical minerals inflation coming through? You can see where that debate comes through. But our job is to get people to look through that short term into that longer term which we did with things like gold and so on in the past. So it's really important. I suppose for financial advisors, then what, what sort of things should they heed from, you know, these insights? How, how can they incorporate, you know, what you found into their investment strategies? Absolutely. So I think the first thing to note is if you have a long-term time horizon, be true to it. Like really be prepared to include genuinely long-term investments in your portfolio to match those perhaps more, you know, risk-averse, risk-balancing tools in there. Be aware that there are lots of different futures that could present themselves over the next 10 years. So diversification is, uh, is key. Um, but most importantly, when you're investing in those long-term themes, really look for those types of strategies that are at the intersect between themes, because all of these themes, all the six themes we mentioned, they're all interconnected, they're all interrelated, feeding off each other. So for instance, um, we've got higher rates, we've got the potential for upward skewed inflation. Inflationic bonds sits neatly in that, in that space. Hedge funds is, uh, is great for managing inflation and market volatility and also a bit of geopolitical risk. But then you've got things like critical minerals, which are there. There's a strong structural demand story there, but there's also the potential to have a bit of inflation risk management embedded in there, you know, and things like agriculture. Um, you're buying into agriculture to help uh, move to a more sustainable footing in agriculture at the same time as buying into a long-term demand story. We have to increase food supply by 50% by 2050. So there's always, if you're, if you're investing in those strategies that have two or three prongs to them, you're always going to have more powerful strategies in your portfolio. And one sort of ref final reflective point I want to investigate was, you know, you made 
predictions last year as well. And obviously, we've, this is a long-term focus That's you know, right. with, the, with the output. But was there anywhere that you see this continuing to go right or perhaps any areas where it's kind of gone askew? Well, as you say, we have a long-term time frame. So really, you know, if you want to see what we got right or wrong, you're going all the way back to 2018, which is that's an actually fascinating period between 2018 and 2023. But certainly inflation uptick and so on. Um, you can argue whether that was purely because of the underlying drivers or whether it was purely because of the... Um, the externalities that happened at that time, um, we would argue it's a combination of the two. So we called that right. We called um, we called gold right. I think the biggest surprise that's really shifted the rhetoric in what we're talking uh, in themes and opportunities is the rapid emergence of AI. Clearly, AI has been around for a long time. It's been around for a couple of decades, really. This is not brand new, but this latest wave clearly is brand new and it's really capturing the attention and it clearly is, uh, has potential for productivity growth. So I think that's probably the biggest the biggest shift in the, in the rhetoric in the last year. Fantastic. Thank you so much for your time, Nick. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to this Financial Standard podcast. For more information, visit financialstandard.com.au. Please keep in mind that the information discussed in this podcast is general in nature and does not consider personal circumstances. Reliance should not be placed on any content without further independent financial research and advice. 